0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Alt Fantasy Sports Podcast. My name is Tony Allison here with Keegan Stalemeyer. And uh, yeah, let's just hop right into it. So our uh, first topic is the San Diego Fleet's attendance for week five. Uh, What everybody's saying and from all the sources we're seeing is that the attendance in San Diego last week was on par with. The Los Angeles Chargers average attendance, which is just insane. I mean, San Diego, you know, it's a it's a football city, and they got their their NFL team just kind of stolen away from them by Dean Spanos, you know, the the infamous Dean Spanos. Uh, so I'm just, you know, it makes me so happy to see such huge, passionate crowds, you know, for an AAF team.
1: Yeah, Tony, and I think the numbers it's insane. San Diego's two of their first three home games had over 20,000 attending. And Los Angeles averages 25,000. And San Diego is averaging more home fans than Los Angeles does on a game-to-game basis. Which That's is crazy nuts. It's, it, the AAF is already showing signs of being able to rival the NFL when it comes to certain markets. And like we said last week, they're trying to tap the untapped markets, but I think you got to go with those bigger sports cities that don't have teams right now when it comes to expansions, or you got to go with the already established big markets.
0: And I think San Diego... Is the perfect place for an AAF team, not only because it's a big sports market, you know, it's not an untapped market. They have plenty of, you know, high level sports teams there, but it's, it's a place that feels left behind. You know, it's a, it's a lot like St. Louis where I'm at. You know, it's a, it's a place that feels left behind by the NFL because we had teams and we lost teams and it, you know, it just seemed unfair. And I think this is kind of San Diego's way at getting back at Dean Spanos. And, you know, if it's a revenge thing or not, people are going out and they're enjoying quality football and they're having fun. And, you know, they're paying to be there. You know, they're supporting the AAF, which is absolutely what
1: you want. Yeah, and what he said... It's like uh, St. Louis when it comes to the NFL. It's like Seattle when it comes to the NBA. It's like so many other places, like Baltimore for that couple years when they didn't have an NFL team. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, clearly it's working for the AAF.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Talking about the next one, Bill Polian had some things to say about a possible partnership between the alliance and the nfl i said the talk is ramping up and lots of people have bandied about thoughts of the uh of the two teams kind of coming together in an official partnership Uh, the idea kind of would be for nfl teams to assign their third string quarterback and uh other players from the bottom half of their roster roster and like their uh God, what was I trying to say, practice squad players down to the, uh, down to the AAF where there are, are the established pro football and college football coaches and I think this is absolutely the right direction to go this is what the alliance wanted to be from the start and you know, even though it's not official, I think just the talks is a really good sign of things to come
1: yeah and i originally saw this story on reddit i saw a comment on the post that i 100 percent agreed with and that that comment was not a sign of a league going in the wrong direction not a sign of a league that's in danger and with all the people worrying when, when uh uh tom dundon stepped in with the 250 million dollar investment with everybody freaking out about that and saying Oh no! The AAF was in need of money in week two. Not a good sign. This league is gonna be gone after the first year. It was very similar to the way that power rankings were working after week three and week four for the Commanders, and right now for the Hot Shots. All very reactionary thoughts from the AAF fan base, and that's not a great thing to see when it comes to your league's fan base. But. It is a really good step in the right direction from, uh, that Pullian is saying that the AAF and NFL have had these informal talks. And I think that the AAF could be a really good version of like the NBA's G League for the NFL.
0: Absolutely. Uh, some more stuff from Bill Polian. He was talking more about Johnny Manziel. We went over that whole situation last week. Uh, and apparently a deal is uh, 50% done, according to Bill Pullian. uh He said he doesn't intend to comment on anything on Johnny personally uh, because of legal reasons. And uh, But, you know, just hearing that a big-name player, you know, former NFL player, former college legend, you know, Heisman Trophy winner, he's fallen on some hard times. He's, he's had a lot of lot of struggles after coming out of college. But I think this could be a great place for Manziel to play. And just hearing that there's progress being made and it's in all likelihood, you know, it's it's pretty certain that Manziel is gonna to come to play in the AAF, whether it be this league this year or next year, is yet to be seen. But it's good to know that things are getting done. And we can see some news in the next coming, of, next coming weeks to where he'll land and what will happen with him.
1: Yeah, what's interesting, Tony, is that uh, the Commanders, they'd be the first team that gets undeniable rights to him. He would get a tryout with them if they wanted him. And they would make the choice to sign him or to let him go into the free agency pool when any team can sign him. But last week, Logan Woodside with an Offensive Player of the Week performance really showed that the commander's quarterback situation isn't as bad as we thought it was. And... We need to see more consistent play out of Woodside, for sure, as a Commanders fan, but if he has a couple games like that in a row, I personally don't think that we have a reason to try out Mansell and sure, we could release Dalton Sturm and put Johnny as the four-string to start out, and then get him to leapfrog guys and practice, but... I don't think that Johnny Manziel is as big of a need for the Commanders as we thought it was last week.
0: I absolutely agree. I don't, I personally don't think that the Commanders need Manziel at all. I mean, you, you said maybe put him in as the fourth string, have him leapfrog guys, you know, just fight his way back to the top. I don't think we need that. I think the Commanders are fine. Commanders have a great quarterback situation. You have Logan Woodside, who's turned out to be one of the one of the more elite quarterbacks in the AAF. Uh, I'd say second, probably to uh, to Garrett Gilbert, who's just lighting the league on fire every single game. Uh, I think Manziel would be better in a place like San Diego, where their quarterback went down, or a place like Memphis, where. You know, they have Mettenberger, but, you know, what if Mettenberger falls through? You never know.
1: Somewhere like Birmingham, where they just put in their backup quarterback. We don't really have a good sample size of Keith Price's abilities, of Keith Price's gameplay. And, uh, yeah, 100% on that, Tony. I think, I think the fleet are definitely the best spot for him, but yeah a place like memphis where he could definitely serve as the backup for now until mettenberger possibly his play starts to decline but i think birmingham is second choice i actually think salt lake would be a pretty good fit for johnny manzel too even after uh woodrum's late game almost heroics we'll cover that in a in a little bit yep but uh yeah, I think Woodrum throws too many picks. Just like we said uh, Bracobici showed he threw too many picks, and then he had a pretty good game against Salt Lake. But Woodrum has consistently thrown way too many picks and not enough touchdowns, and I think Salt Lake is probably up there when it comes to best places for Manziel to land.
0: I agree. Uh, speaking of Memphis and Salt Lake, we got two 1-4 teams both at the bottom of their conferences, the East for Memphis and the West for Salt Lake. Who's the worst team in the league? Our Twitter poll showed that 100% Memphis. But um, I'm still going to go with Salt Lake. You know, Memphis lost to Atlanta last week, uh, but it was, it was such a close game. And, you know, losing on a, a walk-off kick doesn't quite prove to me that Memphis is the worst team in the league I still think they're better than Atlanta and I think that they're better than Salt Lake too
1: Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that last part that they're better than Atlanta, but I think that they are a better team than Salt Lake and I just We also had two votes on the poll (laughs) So a whole two people voted for the Memphis Express as being the worst team in AAF. I think that a fair choice to say or that probably Salt Lake Atlanta fans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they Salt probably Lake. are. Uh, I think Salt Lake is undeniably the most dysfunctional team in the AAF. I think if if Hackenberg was still starting, then Memphis would be 0-5 and we would have to give them the title of dumpster fire. But- I agree, yeah. I think that right now, uh, it's it's Salt Lake. They just fall apart in the fourth quarter so, so badly, except for last week when they got their whole team together in the fourth quarter, and then it still wasn't enough.
0: I agree. You know, Salt Lake and Memphis have both had flashes of greatness and you know flashes of a really good upside for two teams that are really you know just kind of they're failing every single test that's thrown at them so far and you know it's it's sad to see some of these guys fail but as an organization you have to look at it in a positive way and you have to think not why are we losing it's how can we get better and i I don't think Salt Lake is doing that. Memphis is making moves, and they're, you know, they're grinding every week to try and get better. I think most Salt of their Lake, moves
1: involve releasing wide receivers at the moment, but
0: you know, yeah. you got to do what you got to do. But Salt Lake has just kind of—they seem complacent with where they are. You know, they don't seem like they want to be contenders like San Diego, who we, who we all thought, you know, after the first couple of weeks, they weren't going to be as good as they are now. Uh, especially after philip nelson got hurt uh, they're just you know they're they seem like they're comfortable with being the worst and i don't think that's a good mindset to have especially for players and coaches who are trying to make it back to a higher level so yeah i'd say salt lake is the worst not a hundred percent because of their play More so because of what seems to be their mentality and just watching them go out every single week, not seeming like they're motivated to win.
1: Yeah, and especially with now Brandon Oliver and Matt Asiata on IR, their only offensive weapon they have is outside of Joe Buonio. It's Nick Churis, though. And he's a tight end. He can only do so much on his own. And that was shown late game last week. We saw Truesdell make an amazing effort to score a touchdown against the fleet. And I, I don't think Woodrum is a very good quarterback. I think that Woodrum was the easily the most overrated quarterback before this season. People were projecting him to be the best quarterback in the AAF. I, I drafted had, him
0: pretty high in my fantasy league and I'm yeah, kinda... I even
1: had him at the top of my fantasy board I had yeah, him as number one quarterback because I, I bought into the hype I was a horrible offender buying into hype before the season started but he's just not a good quarterback he really isn't and yeah his weapons can only really do so much we saw Kenny Bell one of the guys with the most NFL experience when it comes to wide receivers outside of like Charles Johnson, who had multiple years in the NFL. Kenny Bell was on the Broncos practice squad and a couple other teams practice squads, and he looked extremely good in camp with several different quarterbacks. He has done almost nothing with Woodrum at his quarterback. And I do retract my earlier statement I forgot that DeMornay Pearsonel is a person who exists. I have him on both of my fantasy teams. I don't know how I did that. He's getting
0: me a lot of points.
1: Yeah, he is a very good wide receiver. But just like Truesdale, he can't do it all by himself. He got 21 fantasy points last week. Eight catches for 130 yards. He converted eight catches for 130 yards couldn't get a touchdown because he was stopped like six yards short of the goal on uh, one of Salt Lake's first good drives in the fourth quarter. But Woodrum is just not a good quarterback. Like I keep saying, he's not the answer for Salt Lake. Salt Lake needs to put in Austin Allen again, see how that goes. That's my personal opinion.
0: I think at this point in the season, the teams that are sitting in the of the dumpster of the league I think it's just kind of it's it's time to experiment it's time to just try try stuff out you know figure out if something works you know you put Austin Allen in for a week or two maybe it doesn't work out I mean you're not in any worse position than you were already you know the upside is that you win a couple games Uh, the downside is that you stay last in the league so I think You know, if Salt Lake is going to be complacent like this, I think they might as well just try things out.
1: Yeah. Uh, It's just... It's not working. It's doing the opposite of working right now for Salt Lake. And they need to change things up when it comes to their quarterback. They have a solid defensive front, but defensive line, one wide receiver and one tight end can't carry your team
0: Absolutely. All right, let's move on. Uh can Orlando be stopped? For the second week in a row we talked about this. Orlando going out and winning again. You can't stop them. You can't do anything against them. They'll just, you know, their defense is great, their offense best in the league easily. Even their special teams is good. I mean, you know, what what can you do to beat them?
1: Wow. Well. I... I don't think there is anything we can do to beat them right now. They... They... Nothing has changed since last week. They look like far and away the best team in the AAF. They look like the championship is theirs at this point. And... Whoever they play in the West... Is not really going to have a chance to beat them. Unless... Some injuries happen and decimate Orlando's offense, or if San Antonio or San Diego just gets really, really good all of a sudden for absolutely no reason.
0: I agree. The Eastern Conference, uh, besides Atlanta and uh, Memphis, I think I think they're looking like kind of the odds-on favorite to be, you know, one of the one of the teams in the East that's going to win the championship, and. The smart money's on Orlando right now. They beat Birmingham, who I think was probably the second best in the league. Maybe, maybe not. You know, there's a little bit of arguing to do that, to do there with uh, San Antonio, I think. But uh, you can't stop Orlando.
1: Yeah, they are a monster on offense. And Keith Reaser looks like a defensive player of the year at corner. They are just... It's an insanely good team that Orlando has. And speaking of Birmingham and San Antonio, are they legit, Tony?
0: Um, I think they are. I think San Antonio more so. I think they're just the more complete club right now. Uh, they're playing good offense. They're playing decent defense. And uh, I think the offense is something that Birmingham doesn't have. Their defense is really really good maybe one of the best in the league but their offense just kind of seems impotent right now especially with Luis Perez being benched for Keith Price you know they besides Trent Richardson their offense just kind of it, it seems stale there's really not that much going on and I think San Antonio is kind of firing on all cylinders right now. They're winning games. They're looking really good. After starting out one and two, you know, they're up they won two games in a row. I think that San Antonio is the better team, but I still think that Birmingham is a legitimate contender for the championship.
1: Yeah, and I think that with Perez being bench, we're gonna see a new Birmingham offense. I think that Keith Price brings a whole new aspect to that Birmingham offense, and it's the fact that he has legs, which is something we didn't see from Luis Perez. Perez was exclusively a pocket passer. As soon as you flushed him out of the pocket, he couldn't hit anything. He couldn't hit the side of a barn if he was running. And I think Price just brings a whole new aspect to Birmingham's offense, and it's one that we've really seen work with Teams like Orlando, San Antonio, Logan Woodside's got a decent pair of legs on him, and Arizona. John Wolford's a pretty good runner. But those are the only teams that really have those mobile quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, Luis Perez was was one of the guys that I really hyped up at the beginning of the season. He was probably... I would say my MVP for the year before the season started uh, just because of, you know, despite his, uh, despite some of his stats, you know, I just liked him as a guy, (laughs) you know, his story and his, uh, what was I going to say, you know, his his journey to professional football was just so inspiring and I wanted to see him succeed and I thought he was going to succeed and it how it really just sucks to uh to see something like this happen to him I hope that he rebounds and I hope that he finds another opportunity but right now I think benching him is the is the right way to go
1: yeah and I don't think Perez really has a spot in that offense because clearly Birmingham loves to run the ball as we've seen with Brent Richardson, even though he's only averaging, I think, 2.7 yards a carry right now, it's still under three. I know that. And even with him only averaging that many yards per carry, they're still giving him upwards of 20 carries a game. They're still running the ball with other running backs like Brandon Ross. And even though Birmingham just dropped Ladarius Perkins, it looks like As if they would be shifting to a more passing offense. Now, it's quite the opposite. Ladarius Perkins was almost exclusively used as a pass catching back. Didn't have much production, but honestly, I think it was a bad move. Because I think Keith Price is a better passer when it comes to throwing on the run, which is really where you got to use a running back. When your quarterback gets flushed out of the pocket, you have that little check down. You see, it. it works with NFL offenses you have to have a check down uh receiver and birmingham i don't know who's gonna have to step up as that now
0: a uh, quick side note good job working the twitter while we're doing this i just noticed i got a notification on my phone
1: yeah uh go check out our twitter at alt fs podcast and uh check out my twitter at uh k aaf
0: and i am at Tony Allison but it's backwards that's that's the best I can
1: yeah that's that's wow I never thought about that yep that's I was what just it is like, wow this is a really quirky username
0: no it's just my name backwards anyway uh, moving on to our next topic our halfway season grades rated a through F you know just like you were in school uh, let's start with the east now on top of the east is orlando right now they're in an automatic a plus uh they're undefeated they look like they're unbeatable you know unless something crazy happens uh orlando's the best team easily they get an a plus in my book
1: yeah and uh birmingham coming in second in the east they got a b rating uh i i more or less agree with this rating they have the tied for third best rating out of all the teams and I think that a lot of that is attributed to their record they have one of the better records in the AAF right now because Trent Richardson was so I hate to say it but he was so efficient when it came to scoring at least
0: that's one way you can put it Yeah. you can say efficient
1: at least when it comes to scoring he was
0: yeah not much not much else there, but he can score. Uh he's still not averaging three yards per carry on it's the season. insane. Which is nuts. And I think he he leads the AAF in touchdowns, doesn't he?
1: Uh yes. I believe he's tied for first. I can check up on that real quick. That's nuts.
0: I can't believe that. Uh coming in after Birmingham in the east is Atlanta with the D plus. Uh Atlanta's really where things fall off in the East they have you know flashes of being good with aaron Murray as quarterback i think they'd have a much better record if they had just started him instead of sims i think they may be a c or something but d plus i think is a pretty fair grade for atlanta they're two and four right now as and you can't really say much about them besides i don't think they're the worst anymore
1: yeah and it does look like Trent Richardson leads all non quarterback positions in touchdowns and he actually has as many rushing touchdowns as Garrett Gilbert has passing touchdowns.
0: That's insane. That's
1: yeah. insane. He, He's carrying he
0: Birmingham ins- on his back.
1: Oh, it's it's insane to see the guy carry a team so far this season, the entire way through their record. All three of their wins. He's carried them. And yet he's still only averaging 2.7 yards per carry. What
0: a weird timeline we're living in right now. God. All right, moving on to Memphis. Uh, they get an F. One and 1-4. They're not looking too hot right now. No, they beat Schenberg, and then they won a game, which was good. But then they lost again to a D-plus team. So I think Memphis... And Automatic F, they're flunking right now. They suck. I,
1: I think Memphis gets an F+, because I don't think they're as bad as Salt Lake.
0: <laughs> I don't think an F-plus so, exists, but we'll take it.
1: Memphis gets like a, a 59.
0: All right, they get a 59. I'll, I'll go with that. All right, All right moving, moving on to, on to the, the West <laughs> with San Antonio first. They get a B plus. They've looked pretty good. They've got... I don't know, I'd say an eighty-seven, eighty-eight.
1: Well, yeah, not, an and, uh, not, not quite. Not quite an A, but I think San Antonio, like we've said, they're the most complete team in the West. San Diego has a pretty good defense with, uh, Cam Kelly leading that secondary. Uh, I believe Demontre Moore is their edge rusher. He's doing very well for himself. Out on that defensive front. And, uh, I'm blanking on the name right now, but they have a, a, an NFL experienced linebacker who's been doing good work for them. I can't I, Yeah, but their offensive line <laughs> is still horrendous. Uh, Berkavici gets hit too much. I personally enjoy watching it. That doesn't mean it's not too much for them, but... I think that San Diego, some of the wide receivers need to step up into bigger roles. Uh, Gavin Escobar needs to show that he's really worth it being a one of the guys with the most NFL experience in the league, I believe. And he really needs to show that he deserves the starting job. Because uh, another tight end from San Diego has one of the top five highest PFF ratings out of all tight ends across the AF right now. So I think that Escobar needs to show that he's worth it. And uh, I think the wide receivers need to step up.
0: I agree. And uh, let's take let's talk about Donnie Hageman for a second. What a guy. What a story, man. He, uh, he was a kicker at San Diego State in California and um, he didn't have any workouts with NFL teams or even teams in the Alliance. And he had been talking to coaches and talking to scouts at a, uh, at a kick and combine that San Diego held. And he decided to uh, just say what the heck. And he, he direct messaged the San Diego fleet on Instagram. They signed him as their kicker. And on March 9th, he kicked the game-winning field goal for the San Diego Fleet.
1: Yeah, he, he messaged them in September. He said, uh, Hi, I'm Donnie Hageman. play at San Diego State, and I'm going to play for San Diego in the AAF. Uh, I spoke with one of your scouts at a kicking combine in Carlsbad, and he said he'd pass my info along, uh, just wondering how else I could get looked at, whether it's a tryout or anything just would love to get the opportunity to play sounds like a really good guy he just
0: sounds like a really
1: <laughs> good guy really nice fella and has looked like a very good kicker in the AAF too
0: I love kickers man they're my favorite they're, they're great <laughs> they're great all right moving on from San Diego Arizona they get see. C they've been average I don't really know what else to say about them they're two and three uh could be better could be worse
1: yeah, they have been extremely average after Week 1. They've uh, been
0: the most average team I think that I've uh, ever seen.
1: Yeah. It's, they're more average than the Redskins over the Redskins' last, like, 56 games. And the, the Redskins over their 56 last games are, like, 23-23. and 23. Arizona has looked so mediocre that I don't think they deserve anything other than a C. They, we can't give them a D D+, because they're much better than Atlanta, but we can't give them a B, because they're not as good as San Diego.
0: At least and, they have John Walford.
1: Yeah, they have John Walford. They have uh, Jerrell Presley. Rashad Ross looks like one of the best players in the AAF right now. Their defense is horrendous. They gave up 18 points to Memphis. <laughs> they had to come back and barely beat them 2018 in week 2 uh, they don't look good, they don't look bad they look very 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 mediocre and that's about all I can say about them
0: I think their projected record for me is 5-5 five and five.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that statement and if any of our listeners disagree they are wrong
0: yeah, 5-5 five and five
1: yeah Man. it's the only record if arizona ends up with six wins we're still gonna say the record's five to five.
0: yeah they don't deserve any more than five wins <laughs> they don't um, deserve any less either yeah really they've been all so right. average
1: all and, right uh, moving on to
0: uh salt lake
1: salt lake saw this one coming i hope all our viewers did as we bashed them at the beginning of this episode Salt Lake is horrendous. We've already spent enough time talking about how bad they are. How they are get spunked. an F. They are. Yeah, they get uh, an F.
0: And since we gave Memphis an F plus, I'm giving Salt Lake an F minus. They suck. That's
1: that's a fair statement. They got a 49.
0: They got a 29.
1: Okay. Agreeable.
0: Agreeable. All right. Uh, so, noting all those mid season grades. Let's talk about the playoffs. I know we're only halfway through the season. Seems like it's too early to talk about the playoffs. But just very quickly, who are your four teams making the playoffs?
1: Uh, I got Orlando and uh, Birmingham in the east. Now I have San Diego and San Antonio in the west.
0: I think that's about the safest pick you can possibly make. Yeah. Uh... And I'm gonna agree with you, except maybe, maybe if salt or if uh, San Diego loses out, Arizona's making the playoffs at five and five.
1: Yeah, at five and five. Uh, that would be quite feat for Arizona to do. And I think that would probably make this year for me it would just make the whole year I would be extremely satisfied with the results of this AAF season if San Diego loses out one because I that's my least favorite team in the AAF gotta say it San Diego my least favorite team biggest rival to San Antonio I don't like them so seeing them lose out would make me extremely happy but I gotta say seeing Arizona make the playoffs at 5-5 and that would be a dream come true.
0: That'd be that'd be something, all right.
1: That'd be as good as when Denver made the playoffs at eight and eight. Or uh,
0: so. who, who's the Seahawks made the playoffs at seven
1: and nine? Couple years back. NFL worst records to make playoffs. We'll go to Pretty sure the
0: Seahawks made the playoffs at seven and nine. Or at seven and
1: nine. Oh, I got four of forward. That's nice.
0: Yep, two thousand ten. I think they uh I think they won a playoff game too. Yeah. They won the wild card round against the Saints.
1: Uh the nineteen eighty-two Cleveland Browns made the playoffs at four and five. That was a lockout season. I guess. Uh the Lions also made the playoffs that year at four and five. Uh Seahawks made it in two thousand ten at seven and nine. And those are I believe the only teams to make it with losing records.
0: I think Arizona is the equivalent of that. Yeah. As long as San Diego loses out, which it's a possibility.
1: It's <laughs> unlikely, but it's a possibility.
0: It's a possibility. Alright, uh going from playoff predictions to power rankings. We've got Orlando, San Antonio, San Diego. Birmingham, Atlanta, Arizona, Memphis, and Salt Lake.
1: Yeah, I think that's the consensus power ranking right now. I don't, I've seen people put San Diego above San Antonio. I I don't agree. I can, I can see where you're coming from, but I don't agree. The way San Antonio has been playing these past couple weeks, honestly, the defense has been dominant. Until the second half of that Arizona game. And... Uh... The offense looked extremely good the first half of last week. Once again... That side of the ball looked like a different team in the second half. They got complacent because they were ahead by 26 points. But... Uh... I think that San Antonio just has more momentum and that's what power rankings are about. San Antonio is coming off... An interconference win. Uh, they beat the second best team in the East, in Birmingham. Neither of which, uh, or San Diego is coming off an interconference win, but they haven't really played anyone real outside of the West. And I think that because San Antonio and San Diego split their series, the best look we're going to get at who's a better team is going to come in the first round of playoffs.
0: I agree. I agree. So the consensus, Memphis and Salt Lake at the bottom. Yeah. And I think Atlanta and Arizona are probably the ones that can most flip-flop. I think San Diego being above Birmingham is kind of a hot take, but I'm going to stick with it. I think San Diego's a better team. Birmingham is... Worse than the record shows, but they're still not that bad.
1: Yeah, but Birmingham could very well change in these next coming weeks, depending on how uh, Keith Price performs.
0: I know, maybe we'll see an Atlanta, Arizona championship.
1: That would be extremely interesting. Arizona making the championship at five and five. They're both two and three. Arizona and Atlanta making the championship at five and five. <laughs>
0: All right, let's let's uh, let's go on to our week six predictions. We got Memphis and Salt Lake. Who do you got winning that one? I think it's pretty obvious. I,
1: yeah, I have Memphis. I think Salt Lake is the only team that Memphis can beat right now, and it's not going to be a good game for Salt Lake.
0: It's not going to be a good game in general. Uh, yeah. I also have Memphis winning that one. All right, so moving on from that dumpster fire, Arizona, Orlando, um, I'm gonna say Orlando, but if Arizona wants to stay 500, you know they want to climb back up to 500. They got to beat Orlando, so maybe they pull off the upset just to be more average.
1: Yeah, that's a uh, that's uh, quite the hot take, Tony. Arizona climbs back to 300 or 500, beating a uh, best team in AF. I think Orlando is gonna run away with this one early.
0: I think Orlando is gonna run away with this one early too. Uh, San Antonio-Atlanta. am going to say San uh, Antonio.
1: Yeah, I got San Antonio. I don't really think any of these games except for Birmingham-San Diego are really going to be good games. Uh, Memphis and Salt Lake is just...
0: It'll be competitive, but it won't be good.
1: Yeah, it won't be fun to watch. Like, San, San Antonio-Birmingham was at least a somewhat fun game to watch because it was a very good defensive battle. Memphis and Salt Lake don't have good defenses. Memphis has a decent defense... Salt Lake has a decent defensive lineman, uh, and neither of their offenses are very coherent. I think the Memphis will win by double digits, but I don't think it's going to be a good game. Orlando will be going. double digits. I think it'll be ten.
0: San Diego <laughs> beat Salt Lake only by what, three four points?
1: Yeah, but I, I think Salt San Lake San falls- Diego's way
0: better than Memphis.
1: So. <laughs> Salt Lake falls apart in the fourth quarter again. And Memphis scores twenty, and they win twenty to ten.
0: Twenty to ten. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down. Twenty. To, twenty to ten.
1: All right, okay. and I, I think Orlando is gonna win by double digits. I don't think that's a hot take at all. I think San Antonio is gonna win by at least a touchdown. I'll, all right, I'd and then uh, pick me the <laughs> on that. We forgot but, to
0: pick uh, between Birmingham and San Diego. I've got San Diego winning this one. It's going to be real close. It's going to be a good game. Both of their projected starting quarterbacks are out for different reasons. Um, Yeah. But I I think it's going to be an ugly game. But we'll see. Maybe it's going to be the best one the league's ever seen. Who knows?
1: Yeah, an interesting stat that I saw the other day. I think only one or two quarterbacks taking the first round of the quarterback draft are actually starting.
0: That's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, uh, I can't even remember if Keith Price was taken in the quarterback draft.
0: All right, so uh, time is running out. We got about two and a half minutes left. So let's uh, let's speed round through our players of the week. On offense, we have Logan Woodside. He went twenty-one for twenty-seven, throwing two hundred ninety yards for two touchdowns,
1: and also an interception. Yeah, I got that pick at the end of the first half. It was not that. Bad of an interception. He kind of just chucked it up, and it went through a wide receiver's hands just over his head and uh, got picked off. On defense, we have Cameron Kelly. Uh, quarterback turned wide receiver turned cornerback for the San Diego Fleet. He played quarterback in high school. Uh, can't remember how many times they mentioned that on the broadcast, <laughs> but it was quite a few. Uh, he had five tackles. He can throw, tackles. guys. He can yeah, throw. He, he, he can throw. He can receive. He can... He, Defend. he can do anything on the field, and they decided to put him in the least skill position out of all three. He had five tackles, four pass defense, three interceptions, and a touchdown. Three interceptions on Josh Woodrum, one for a pick late in the game, just a dynamite performance by Cam Kelly
0: against a dynamite quarterback, I might add. Uh, uh, yeah. On special teams, we got Yonghui Koo. That's how you say his name, I think. Uh, he's perfect. 11 for 11 on the season. And he had the walk-off kick against Memphis, which hurt my heart a little bit. But you know what? Good for him. I love kickers.
1: Yeah, and I think I think we have a little bit of a kicker controversy here because my personal pick for uh, special teams player of the week Donnie Hageman, walk-off kick against Salt Lake, 44-yarder in uh, some some windy conditions. I believe he had a couple of kicks earlier in the game. Don't quote me on that one, but uh, yeah, my personal pick. Looked good throughout the season, but it is player of the week.
0: All right, and that's all we got time for, folks. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and on YouTube, Spreaker, Anchor, Spotify, You know where to find this. I'm Tony Allison. That's Keegan Stalemeyer. Jesus. Keegan Stalemeyer. We'll see you next week.